Have you wondered about living elsewhere in your retirement? Well, we have almost daily. No, it's not a simple decision, especially when two people are involved. Hi, this is Gil and Jean of Retire There, a podcast about retirement destinations. We live in Brooklyn, New York, having grown up and worked in this area of the country. We're hoping to relocate when we're both retired. For us, it's the weather, the chaos, the noise, and the yearning to be near nature and not within three feet of human beings. <laughs> That's right. In February 2020, we embarked on our journey to find that special place. We spent a week in Winter Park, Florida, which is beautiful, but something said it wasn't for us. As we were planning for the next trip, the pandemic arrived. Jean then gave birth. I gave birth? To this podcast. With so many baby boomers retiring, many must be relocating. Why not connect with and learn from them? Here's a little background about us. I'm Asian, born in Brazil, and grew up in Flatbush, Brooklyn. I'm an engineer turned attorney turned podcaster. I recently retired from a university career practicing higher education law. I love the academic environment, but it was time to do something else. I no longer have to set an alarm, drive in BQE traffic, or work with people who don't always share the same principles. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> you bet I did. I traded all that in to binge crime dramas into the wee hours just a little bit to develop the podcast, to volunteer, practice metal smithing, tackle our possessions. No regrets so far, Jane. I'm not Asian, and as Gil mentioned, I'm not retired. I'm just plain tired. Born and raised in Long Island, New York, a place I always wanted to leave. I'm a law librarian working in a court who loves his job, but we're retired by the time we select our ideal location. We will be speaking to folks from across the street to across the globe who have moved to their dream venues and more. So please stay tuned. And remember, if you know anyone who has moved anywhere for retirement, let us know. Thank you. Hola. Today we'll be chatting with Kat and Brighton West, who semi-retired to La Paz, the capital of the state of Baja, California, Sur, in Mexico. The West spend their winters in La Paz and their summers in Portland, Oregon. In this episode, we'll focus on La Paz. La Paz combines the conveniences of a fairly large city, it has 250,000 inhabitants, with the beauty and activities that come with living near the sea. Baja, California consists of two states, the state of Baja, California to the north, and Baja California Sur at the lower end of the peninsula. La Paz is located in Baja California Sur on the east coast of the peninsula on the Gulf of California, also known as the Sea of Cortez. Similar to the coast of Southern California in the U.S., La Paz has breathtaking landscapes and beautiful beaches, but without the insane housing costs of California. John Steinbeck visited La Paz in 1940. He describes the town in his 1947 novel, the Pearl, and mentions it extensively in his 1951 travelogue, The Log from the Sea of Cortez. And now about our guest, Gil. Well, you're a little fancy there with John Steinbeck, huh? <laughs> Cat West was born and raised in the Florida Keys. She attended the University of Florida for her undergrad and thereafter Lewis and Clark Law School. For a significant part of her career, she was an Environmental Protection Act attorney, or EPA, chasing down polluters. Kat has also done sustainability and healthcare policy work. Currently, she's an EPA consultant redeveloping contaminated properties. Kat is recognized as a leader in her field, an accomplished facilitator, collaborator, and educator, and a popular presenter at conferences. She considers herself a sci-fi geek 
and enjoys gardening. The couple has a small urban farm in Portland. She also enjoys traveling, playing the ukulele, pickleball, and key lime pie. Boy, this pickleball hmm. is really... Yeah. We're, we're so behind. Jean <laughs> bought me a set for my birthday, and it's sitting in the, um, in the back of the car. So <laughs> soon, soon. Okay. Brighton was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He earned a degree in landscape architecture from the University of Wisconsin. Now, that's another thing that I, I wish I did. I'm so envious. <laughs> Brian has had a varied career. He spent six months in the landscape industry, 10 years as an IT guy, 10 years in the nonprofit tree planting world. And for the last eight years, he has been working as a virtual videographer. He says being a virtual videographer offers him the opportunity to work from anywhere and have clients around the world. His company, Brighton West Video, provides invaluable advice on creating videos. Remarkably, he provides some of this advice for free on his YouTube channel known as Brighton West Video. His interests also include pickleball, making YouTube videos. He has more than one channel, apparently. Brighton's popular YouTube channel on living in Mexico is called Almost Retired in Mexico. An easy way to get to the videos is by going to his website, almostretiredinmexico.com. And that's one word, Almost Retired in Mexico. So guys, welcome to our podcast. You're both still very young and have have and had and still have impressive <laughs> careers. Why have you chosen to pre-retire to La Paz? Please share. Well, thank you all for having us here, first of all. So Absolutely. this is very exciting and uh I love that you know you you mentioned pickleball in both our profiles there. So yeah, it's all about pickleball. You guys really need to get those rackets oh some use. God. Are you guys competitive? Competitive a, with each other. Okay, okay. Because you know there are these leagues all over the place. Yeah, it's uh yeah we're we're more on the fun side. Okay, we're we're good. recreational players. In, in New York City, people fight over the court. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kat, do you want to? Gosh. Okay, so I can start. I have to preface this by saying that we're not normally in impulsive people, but we made a very impulsive decision and choice. We actually went to La Paz just for a birthday trip. We went for a three-day trip for my birthday, and neither of us had ever been there before. We knew almost nothing about it. We'd never even heard of it yeah. before this <laughs> trip. We Essentially, I, I read a, a blog post by someone someone up here in Portland who said that, oh, La Paz is a bike-friendly town. And we were looking for a place to go for her birthday. And I was like, oh, let's go to this place in Mexico called La Paz. So, wow. Yeah. So we arrive on a Sunday and we immediately fell in love with La Paz. The Malacan, which is kind of like the boardwalk that goes um, for two miles along the uh, Gulf of California, was just full of families and people and people out eating. Anyway, it was just magical. It was beautiful. Then as a lark, we also got a real estate agent to just take us around. It's a good way to get a free tour of a city. <laughs> so we got a real estate agent the next day, took us around. And the very first house he took us to see, Brighton and I looked at each other and we were like, oh my gosh, are we going to put an offer down on this no, house? We had no, no intention. Way. No, no way. <laughs> oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah, no intention whatsoever of buying a house, but it was um it was right on the water. It was right on the beach, half acre, a house, a casita. It was unbelievable. And it was, you know, for Americans, it was extremely affordable, right? This house would have been millions of dollars. like In California. In California, <laughs> gazillions of dollars in California. Mm-hmm. And it was under $200,000. No. Wow. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Well, that's not that big a risk, right? Or- <laughs> well, that was part of it. It was like kind of like, oh, this is so easy. Oh. Um, I mean, housing prices in Portland are so crazy. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of like, we're almost crazy not to do this. As Kat said, we're not impulsive people, but. The next day, we put an <laughs> offer down on the house. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and we said, oh my gosh. Are we actually going to fulfill our lifelong dream of living internationally? You know, one thing led to another and we were soon owners of property in Mexico. And now we live six months of our time in Mexico, living the life and six months in Portland, Oregon, living the life. Oh my God, I'm getting chills that from the story. Incredible. See, we, we don't we don't take risks at all. At all. Not, well, certainly not like that. You mean you, you guys are planning so well. I love this podcast idea. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what a great idea to actually plan out uh, where you're going to live. <laughs> Wait, have you, I'm sure you've been to Mexico before, yeah? Yeah, so we've been to Mexico. We've been to Puerto Vallarta. We've been mm. to Mazatlan. We've been right. to Cancun, you know, kind of like the typical Touristy. American destinations. Yeah. yeah. So this was really the first time we'd probably been to a real city. I mean, I guess we'd been to Mexico City. That was a long time ago. But essentially, we'd been, we'd been spending a couple months a year in San Diego, living near the beach in San Diego, because Portland is just, I mean, it just started raining. It's going to rain for the next six months. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's not a place you want to be in the winter. And we both have jobs where we can work from anywhere. So we'd been spending those uh, couple months in San Diego. And that's the beauty of San Diego is the Tijuana airport is literally on the border of the United States. So one of the doors is in the United States. So you can really easily cross and then it's cheap flights anywhere in Mexico. So that's why it was so easy to get to La Paz. But it was just too crazy expensive in San Diego. We couldn't touch it. You know, it was a million dollars for a shack. And (laughs) we were like, let's look at Mexico because it makes it a possibility. And otherwise it was just crazy. I will say that most people recommend that you go around to different places in Mexico and you actually look at them and yes. maybe spend like a you know a couple weeks or a month. And I, I highly recommend that. I think yeah, that's a yeah. good idea. But for us, that's just not how it worked. And you'd be amazed how many people we talked to that did the exact same thing that we did. They really? came to La Paz or another city and they're like, this is it. I'm sure for some, it doesn't work out. We don't meet them because they don't stay. But we've met so many people <laughs> who've done the spontaneous thing. I have to say, I have zero regrets. Zero regrets that we wow. did this. And how, how, long, how ago? long ago was that? Yeah. So this, we're about at the same timeline. We jumped into this. Uh, when you jumped into planning is when we jumped into it was right before the pandemic. The pandemic was just starting. You know, we, we heard it was in China or something like that. And mm-hmm. so we flew down to La Paz. There was nothing was really different. The process to buy a house in Mexico is time consuming, though. It took about nine, 10 months to close. And during that time was when the pandemic started to heat up and cats started to get a little bit of cold feet because it was like, what are we doing? What are, we're buying a <laughs> house. <set> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In Mexico, there's a pandemic. What's going to happen? Luckily, I kept us moving forward. In about five weeks. We leave Portland and we'll be headed down for our third winter in Mexico. Nice. 
Okay. And, and Kat did say that she has no regrets and I have, I have no regrets. However, because of my YouTube channel, I've been exploring other parts of Mexico and realizing that there's all these other parts of Mexico that we'd never heard of that were also expat destinations or, or even more expat des- destinations than La Paz. La Paz really is, it's starting to become one. There's so many other places to live in Mexico that we never even knew existed. I'm, you know, like there's Huatuco, there's Carretero, San Miguel de Allende. You had Blue from Ajijic. Like there's all these places. It would have been nice to explore. However, I'm glad that we jumped in when we did because we'd still be exploring. (laughs) Right, right. Now that's so true because once you start, I was telling uh, Brighton earlier, Kat, that I recently retired and I'm kind of like stuck. I have all these things I want to do, all these crafts and like painting. I made jewelry for 10 years and there comes a point where I need to like just do it. So I purchased a, I was in Barnes & Noble and I purchased a a paint by numbers kit. And I said, here's another thing I will buy and not no, but everything was contained. Everything was there. I wouldn't have to go looking for brushes. I wouldn't have to. And for 10 bucks on sale, I bought it. And I literally got home, opened it and I started it. I think it got me going. So your purchase, I think, did that. Now I'm fascinated. Can you tell us about the house and what led you to say this is the house? First of all, congratulations on retiring. That is huge. And I'm so jealous. Thank you. So am I. Oh, you so know I. you can do it. <laughs> We're we're getting uh, we're getting somewhat closer. Yeah, so you know it's really interesting. The housing stock in Mexico ranges from very humble to extremely you know lavish, and mm. so really you know depending upon your style and your budget, you can really find whatever you want. And Brighton and I are both anti-lavish, <laughs> you could say. And so, you know, there are houses over there that you walk into and they're, you know, they could be on the rich and the famous shows and whatnot, but that's not us. And so we did look at a couple of those and we're like, eh, we don't really need the gleaming marble and the, you know, we don't need all that. So the house that we first saw, we walk into and it literally has a palm thatch roof. It's called a palapa roof. Wow. They're very popular, but not super common for residences. You mostly see them in restaurants in Mexico, but it's literally a palm thatch roof. We have geckos living in it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, I love it. Yeah, and they chirp at night, and they're called besos when they chirp. Yep. It sounds like kisses. They're like... The house is, it's older and it's built with, how many windows does it have? It has 90 windows. It's somewhat of an oval shape. And because it's a palapa roof, it's all open. So it's one big open space with walls, but they don't go to the roof. And the entire outside is windows. It's three bedrooms, two and a half baths in the house. Plus the casita is another bedroom. So it's a separate little house, very common in Mexico with its own bathroom out there. So when we have guests, we have got a little space that can be kind of separate for like a mother-in-law suite or something like that. It had a pool that was leaking when we bought it. We ended up going in and tearing all that out and redoing it. It was also between the, the beach and the house and it was kind of raised up and it kind of ruined the view of the beach. So we've rebuilt that. Yeah, the most amazing thing is... In the morning, we go out and we have our morning coffee right on the beach and watch the the sunrise. And then at night, wow. go out there. We get into our hot tub that Brighton had custom built. Whoa, and nice. We watch the sun go down and we have our cocktails. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And our house is outside the city of La Paz. So the city of La Paz 
it's a very big Mexican city. It's the state capital, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And we're in like kind of a little, it's almost a suburb. It's a little tiny, dusty Mexican town, no stoplights. It has one speed bump, three oxos. That's how we determine how big a town is, is how many oxos An it has. An oxo is a very um, common convenience store. It's like a 7-Eleven. Oh, 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 gotcha. yeah. All gotcha. over Mexico. We actually can see across the Bay of La Paz to the city lights, downtown La Paz. So it's great to sit out there at night and you see the moon coming up over the city and it's just gorgeous. All right. So we're going to focus a bit on costs. When you say that you redid the pool and you got a hot tub, you had to hire local folks, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Is that process? Like, you did you know people down there who to trust, contractors, et cetera? Well, I wish we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> We're just finishing up our lawsuit with our architect. Oh, um, so we did have a little bit of trouble with that. Well, um, why don't we start with how much we bought the house for? Okay. So we bought, what was 162000 163000 wow. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, hundred sixty three thousand. But you know, it it had had five years of neglect. So you know, we knew we had to invest a little bit of money into just rehabbing the house a tiny bit, a tiny tiny bit. Um, we had to got it repainted, got a little bit of the thatchery done, but mostly it was pulling out the pool and then putting in a completely new deck and hot tub. And how much did that cost? I mean, it was a multi level terrace with a you know structure. The hot tub, they call them plunge pools in Mexico. So they're kind of, they're like miniature pools or very large hot tubs, but they're deeper. So like four feet deep. So you can really get into them. And it's nice for in the summer, you know, it's it, you cool off in the summer, but you can also use them in the winter as a hot tub. And then a wall along one side of our property, because we're right along a pedestrian path to the beach. And it was about $25,000 US dollars for all that. And we are 95% finished. There's a glass wall along the beach. I've fit. seen those. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of nice because it's custom. It has a wave that mm. goes along the entire top of it. And we've learned some lessons <laughs> about uh, getting things in writing, contracts, and legal stuff in Mexico is different than the United States. Uh, it seems like handshake deals are a good idea. Uh, maybe they're not a good they're idea. They're not a good idea. <laughs> oh my God, Kat, how did you let that happen? <laughs> that was... Um, yeah, well, here's I'm the tip sorry. is make sure you get a recommendation from probably another expat mm-hmm. um, on any contractors because just the work style is different. You know, right? It's a different culture. The work style is different. And so if you have a contractor who's used to working with expats, you'll probably come out as a happier customer. And mm-hmm. so what my big recommendation is get a recommendation from another expat and then sign a contract. Unfortunately, we did neither of those things. And so we got embroiled in a little bit of a, um, an issue, but luckily it's almost all resolved. The hot tub we're and so everything. Close. We're so close. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> the, the other answer is if your spouse is an attorney, have her be a little bit more involved instead <laughs> of just having me be the one setting up the architect. I was just, you know, kind of like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I got this. Like, yeah, you know, well, he took responsibility. So she's like, okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. But so- actually the good thing also attorneys in terms of cost to go through a lawsuit, what are we, what are we out? Like six, $600-$700 to hire wow. an attorney to uh, wow. to deal with and then take this guy to it's actually not even court it's like an arbitration or something yeah. that's set yeah. up by the government and yeah. their legal system for working out disputes like this is much superior to the United States yeah. wow yeah. Yeah. easier and superior and and much 
more affordable. Okay, so all in, you're still under about 200 or right. thereabouts, right? Yep. How old is this house? Was there any internal structural issues? Uh, so it was built in the 80s or 90s, so oh, not oh, super okay. old. Not, not um, but yeah, but I mean, there was definitely- Did you have to redo electricity or anything like that? Well, you know, the, the smart thing would be to redo the electricity. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, it's built to more Mexican standards. So it was whatever, you know, like in terms of if you have to rewire an outlet or something, it's, you're looking at whatever color wire they had that day. Um, so it's like, well, you know, but why is there a, why is the green wire, the hot wire, you know, stuff like that. Why is there a blue wire in here? So there's a lot of that, but majority of things we just needed to kind of like redo some of the uh, superficial stuff. Like the, the concrete had kind of where water had gotten in and kind of broken down the concrete, but nothing really structural, mostly cosmetic things because the previous owners hadn't lived there in five years. So they had a caretaker living on site, but they weren't in the in the house for five years. They were Canadians. Oh, okay. Okay. So they were also expats. That's amazing though. A house on the water. For, I know. For under I know. $200,000. That's incredible. That, that's so tempting. And so <laughs> what, what are your prices generally though? Can you get, if you're inland, it's, it's probably less expensive, right? Right. Well, interesting. So the town we're in is El Centenario. It's a, a somewhat popular expat destination. There's in La Paz, because Kat mentioned that two mile long Melicone, there's not a lot of properties that are on the beach because it's all public, which is nice. Yeah. But so there's only probably in El Centenario, a few dozen properties on the beach. Most of the gringos live up in the hills so that oh. it raises up into the hills and they've got better views of the city and, and whatnot. Okay. Properties are probably for gringos averaging 200,000 maybe. So you can probably get something as a new house that would typically a gringo would buy for a 150 to maybe 300,000 is kind of the typical range. Mm -hmm. However, there's new houses, new kind of like condo-ish type developments going in, like two-story developments that are more geared towards the Mexican market that maybe start around $80,000 for a brand new house. Wow. Uh, and that'll include like a, a gated community with a pool and things like that. So Can yeah, it's, it really varies. Um, so my experience where we live, a lot of the people from the United States and people from Canada are buying custom built homes. They are buying a lot and there's a developer who's got a big swath and they are building their own homes and it's probably under hundred, um, sorry, under 300,000, but we're talking nice houses, yeah. <laughs> really nice. Casitas, pools. Yeah. Pools, the whole bit. So under 300,000 in this area where people are building the custom homes. Wow. Condos uh, are typically one hundred to one hundred fifty thousand dollars. Like if you want to be in downtown La Paz, there's lots of things in that price range. Mm -hmm. Their rents can go anywhere from if you're if you're willing to do the footwork and find a place. You know, easily four hundred dollars for a month uh, rent. If you want to work with an agent who speaks English and will find you a place and make sure everything's set to your liking, those might be a thousand to two thousand. But of course, nicer places. I'm glad that you didn't have any roof issues. That was on my mind. Well, we, we've got we've got leaks. Uh, I mean, it's a palm tree roof. We just but we live in the desert. It doesn't rain very much, and when it rains, the few times it rains a year, we put out some buckets and do some mopping and maybe have the roof replaced, you know, little pieces of the roof fixed. And it's inexpensive to have okay. someone come and okay. 
Yeah, yeah. And is the foundation, what, what is it, concrete or? So where we are, a lot of the houses were originally built with not very good foundations. Um, so we, we have a very different house than most expats. Yeah. I, I want to just set that up, yeah, the expectation. Yeah. Very different house. And so our foundation is not great. I am 100% convinced that eventually a hurricane is going to take out our house. <laughs> so... <laughs> And that's, you know, that's just part of living, you know, on the coast. And so we have hurricane insurance that will pay for the replacement of a house when and we have what we call a safe room. We have a big cement enclosed garage when we leave for the summer. We close down the house and we take anything that's valuable or fragile and we put it back in the concrete safe room. So when, you know, eventually, if it's next year or 10 or 20 years from now, when a hurricane does finally take out our house, <laughs> at least we'll have some stuff that um, hasn't been destroyed. Yeah, yeah and as we're recording this, that. there's a hurricane that's hitting Puerto Vallarta. Vallarta, just north of Puerto Vallarta. So it's like, it, it definitely happens. I don't know if we're even getting rain from that one. That's across the uh, Bay, Bay of California from okay. us. So okay. yeah. One final question on the roof. I'm just so curious. When you do put the buckets out, I mean, it's not damaging anything in those spaces, right? You don't have like sofas there or anything that could... No, it's... Well, actually, you mentioned sofas. That's one of the nice things about buying a pre-existing house in Mexico is usually they come furnished. We've even heard of people that it comes with a car because the previous owners were expats and they moved and it's like, you get everything. So <laughs> yeah, the, the problem was in the past that when the water would leak through the roof, if they they didn't clean it up, it would get into the concrete of the walls. And so like a lot of the concrete on the bottom of the walls was gotcha. needed to be repaired. But if you clean it up, no problem. And we know exactly where the leaks are. So we're like, oh, yeah, it's raining. Go over there. <laughs> Go to that corner. Okay. That's where it's going to leak. And okay. for the 163000 that we bought the house for, it came it fully furnished, fully stocked. All the, like the woman who owned it was a huge baker and cook and, you know, a chef. And so, oh my gosh, it comes with this huge American style kitchen, fully stocked with everything, wow. furniture, baking stuff, uh, linens. Uh, way better than our kitchen here in the United States. I mean, it's like a six <laughs> burner gas stove. Have, yeah, that is yeah. really amazing. But, but Cat and Brighton are perfect for this house, it sounds like, because they're laid back. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, it's a it's a laid back people's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I know, Jean's looking at me like this would never work for you, Gil. <laughs> so let's talk about the other associated costs, electricity, you know, amenities and things like that. Give us our audience a sense of what that looks like. Yeah. Inexpensive by U.S. standards. So sure. we are not there in the summer very often. The biggest thing with electricity is air conditioning. We only have one air conditioned room. We built we built a ceiling in one room. So it's my office. So we have kind of a quiet room that can be air conditioned. But for the most part, electricity, maybe with the pool now, because the, the pump is running and whatnot, uh, I think we might be paying like $30 a month or something for electricity. Wow. That's great. So your water is probably like 15 maybe 20 because we do, we have a lot of, Cat has a lot of plants monthly. We, we fill up the, the the LP gas. It probably costs $100 to fill up our LP gas tank and it happens twice a year. Taxes are like $500 uh, property taxes for a year. Wow. Uh, that is just nice. insane. Yeah. Uh, we do, yeah. because we are along the coast, we have a Fida Camiso. So it's a bank trust that is the structure for owning our home. In Mexico, if you're within I want to say 30 miles of the coast or 60 miles of the border. Foreigners can't own properly property directly. So you go through a bank trust. It's okay. super easy. Your real estate agent will set it up with the attorney and 
you know, you just, you pay $500 a year to the bank. There's some expenses there, but they're super, super cheap. Mm-hmm. What about Wi-Fi? Is that costly? Love that question. Yeah, we now have fiber to our house, but it's not American. Like, like here we're talking on fiber and this is like a thousand megabits per second or something down there. The fiber is like 50 megabits per second. Not bad. We are going to be adding Starlink. Starlink's down there. And so this year when we go down, we'll be adding Starlink. We work from home. So we do have two internet connections. Currently we have fiber and cable, and we've got a little router that ties them together. So if one fails, the other one picks up. Now we'll be having fiber and Starlink. It's a concern because we work I will say that if you do still work from home, the biggest constraint will be fast internet speed, right? Because everybody does everything by, you know, video now. And so when Brighton and I were, we put down the offer and I turned to him and I said, can you swear to me (laughs) that we will have good internet and I won't get dropped off of calls? Because otherwise this isn't going to work for me. Like it has to be. And he swore up and down and I will give him (laughs) total props. He has rigged so many different (laughs) systems together and we have redundancies and everything so that... We do have good internet and my boss is happy. Okay, that's key. Because I was going to ask you, Kat, when you're down there those six months, it seems with COVID, I guess, everything's seamless, right? You do Zoom calls or whatever and you can, are you as productive down there? (laughs) <laughs> my boss, my boss listen to this? that's not a fair question all right don't say it don't say it no no it's actually um it's exactly the same everything's by zoom now and so it's so much easier and then if i do ever need to like rarely be at in person somewhere which hasn't happened to date but it could we're about 20 minutes away from a international airport and so i could jump on a plane and you know be somewhere the next day But yeah, so far, the only drawback is that my colleagues are extremely jealous because behind me, there's palm trees, (laughs) there's water and a beach. And so they're all extremely jealous. But otherwise, it's been it's been seamless. Well, I think that when the pool is done, you need to do a Zoom call while you're in that wavy pool. (laughs) Oh, yes. Great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, One of the other issues that Kat, I thought this is where she was going, is we do have a lot of guests that come down. And this was something that we were warned by our real estate agents slash friends who are still working down there. They said it's, it's hard to be still working in Mexico because your friends will all come down and this is vacation for them. And they will want to go out and they will want to go snorkeling and scuba diving and drinking and, you know, out. It's a challenge when people come down or even other people who we have a lot of friends who are retired either early or they're a little older and they're out. You know, they're like, hey, who wants to go to the beach today? And we're like, we'll we'll go to the beach, but it'll work. (laughs) So there's some of that. And Brighton, you can use that as an excuse for part of your, you know, research or what have you. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, Kat, I'm going to the beach. I'm bringing my camera with me and making a video about. (laughs) Yeah, going all over Mexico. You mentioned the airport being close and it's an international airport. Which one is that? So it's La Paz International Airport. It's kind of, it's technically international, but there's only a few international flights a week. We can get to across Mexico. There's many flights across Mexico. So we could get to Mexico City or Guadalajara, and then there's 
many flights. Okay. Okay. The other is about two and a half hours away is Cabo. Oh. Uh, and from Cabo, we can get direct into Portland. You can get a direct flight anywhere out of Cabo because it's such a destination. We can go over there. A lot of our friends fly in to Cabo. It's just, there's so many more flights. And how far is Cabo from you? It's about two and a half hour drive. Oh, oh. You and there's little buses. There's bus. There's so much transportation. It's easy. Because okay. I was Googling a flight between La Paz and Portland, and I don't know, I was getting something like 21 hours. Yeah. Is that is that true? It all depends. I mean, a lot of the time it has to do with what day of the week you're flying and what month of the year in terms of how many international flights there are. I so it, it's- that was wrong, yeah. That's why, that's when we'll go to, to Cabo. During the winter, there's more <clears throat> flights, international flights, and there's direct flights from La Paz into uh, cities in the United States. Okay. Do you guys have a car? Do you need a car? Because you sound like a little kind of rural and where are the food shopping things? Yeah, so we we actually we bought an RV to make this trip down and back because we had two cats and a dog and we're like let's get an RV and we piled it full of all of our stuff and drove down. That was our vehicle. We were driving in and out of La Paz, so from like the center of downtown La Paz is twenty five minute drive. That we just used the RV for everything, and that was really getting to be a challenge. And we extended our stay because this was during COVID, and we planned on being there for three months or something. And we're like, well, you know, we might as well not go home. So we ended up extending extending finally we're like we just need to buy a car so we, we bought a a rav4 an old rav4 oh, good. Um, and so yeah it's nice to nice to have it yeah and what we bought it from a guy from the united states and he lived in a town close to us and he was just getting rid of it and it has been fabulous because it's allowed us to go explore so much more. Right. So now our goal um, is to take a day trip every single weekend. We just pick a destination, throw the dog in the car, and we just go do a day trip. And this is an old beater car, right? So, I mean, we can take yeah. it yeah, anywhere. We take it down on the beach. We take it like on rough roads. We can take it almost anywhere. If you catch uh, on the channel, you'll find the when we got the, the four wheel drive stuck on the beach. But, uh, oops. Well, when you go on the beach, you have to put some air out of the tires, right? Well, actually, that's one thing we learned after the getting stuck, because you have to have something to put the air back in the tires afterwards. I knew that you could take the air out, but I was like, well, how do you put the air back in when you reach the road? The good news is Mexican people are so incredibly friendly. The whole group of people pushed us out. So, wow. It's just kind of like, hey, yeah, it's just, yeah, people get stuck on the beach. Since you're talking about the airport, what about, is it public transportation in La Paz or where you are? Yeah, it, it's private buses. There's not like a schedule or a map or anything. And you just kind of have to just know. So there's a bus that will go from our little town. It takes about an hour to get downtown because it, and it's an old school bus and it goes every hour on the hour. It costs 60 cents, I think, to get downtown. Uh, and then I think all the other buses in La Paz, there's kind of like the downtown area yeah. and they all just write on their windshield where they're going so it's like they go to the grocery store they go to the beach you know whatever and you just look for the buses that have, are going the way you want to go have you ever heard the term chicken buses no <laughs> Okay. Oh, I think I can picture this. I picture <laughs> yeah. the movies. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know yes. So all throughout Central America, there's the chicken buses and it's basically private transport. It's super affordable for the locals. They go everywhere, but it's impossible to find schedules and you get on the bus and people will have their chickens and their goats and they're all their groceries. And so we used to take the chicken buses when we were 20 years younger, but I think most 
most expats, there's rideshare. It's kind of like Uber down there. or So it's pretty still easy and affordable to get around whether you have your own vehicle or not. But if you're carrying a lot of groceries and stuff, is that difficult or is that when you use your own car? We, we, now that we have a car, we use that all the time, but, mm. but really Uber is, I mean, there's, there's in driver, a couple other alternatives to Uber down there. And that makes it super yeah. easy. And we've heard that the Uber prices down there are very affordable, right? Yes. It's not like up here. So yeah. you're paying what, like $3 or something? Right. Like yeah. Like to get to downtown 25 minutes away is like $5. Oh, um, incredible. So yeah, Great. super affordable. For, for, for expats. Yeah. For, for locals, that's right. Yeah, of course. Let's move on to healthcare. I wonder how, how it is down there and if you have private insurance for Mexico. Kat is still working. Kat's working as a consultant, has a, a regular job that provides health care. And luckily, mm. that health care can be used in Mexico. It just oh. we have to be reimbursed. So her health insurance, you know, we go to a hospital down there. And interestingly, because of my channel, I found that the pre-approval process doesn't really necessarily exist for Mexico. So you go in and you need your, say, cancer treatment or something like that, or you need x-rays and whatnot that might take, you know, a long time to get in a pre-approval for in the United States. They just write you the check because it's so much less expensive in Mexico. I went in to a doctor. <clears throat> I've had melanoma in the past. So I went in to a doctor and had him do a skin check. And then he's like, well, you know, your father passed away from melanoma. We should probably do like a chest x-ray and a sure. ultrasound. And I was like, okay, well, how long is that going to take? And he's like, we'll go across the hall and schedule it. And they're like, okay, well, 15 oh minutes from now, we'll have the wow. a doctor, an actual doctor perform those things, not a technician. Looking at it as we go, I think the total bill was like $400 or something. We didn't even file that with our insurance and we could have, and they would have paid because they're like, you know what, all that stuff, it's so much less expensive than U.S. healthcare. Yeah. And, and you so, feel comfortable with the physicians, right? The Yes. The, the doctors, the facilities are top notch. And, and there are, there are multiple levels of healthcare in Mexico. There is kind of the public healthcare system. And then there are private hospitals too. So I went to a private hospital and the standards are different. You'll still be taken care of if you don't have money to pay like $400. For instance, if you were in a hospital, kind of more local public hospital, you're expected to bring your own caregiver okay. is one. Uh, if you need a blood transfusion, you're expected to have your friends donate blood. So it's not like the US where we oh. kind of like all just volunteer. Mm -hmm. There you volunteer and you give the name of the person you're donating the blood for. Because the family networks there are yeah. so oh, yeah. strong, they sure. can rely upon family where in the US we don't quite have that. <laughs> and so we have to rely upon strangers. Oh, yeah. That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So overall, when you've needed something, you were able to find it. It sounds like pretty quickly. Uh, is it easy enough to reach out to expats if you have questions or like, how did you know to go to the private? How did you know it was much better than public? So here's one of the things I love the most about living internationally is that when you're in an expat community, and not to say that the locals aren't super helpful and friendly sure. too, because they have been fabulous. Yeah friends for us and, and really helped us out. But back to the expat community, 
It's amazing. And if you've ever traveled internationally, you probably experienced this. It's so much easier to meet people and become friends yes, and yes. everybody, right? It's like a barn raising, yeah, right? Yeah. Like everybody comes together and helps each other out. There becomes this um, really good network of just like, oh, hey, I need X, Y, and Z. And a thousand people will be like, oh yeah, well, here's here's where you need to go. Here's where you need to go. And so what we found is community is really easy to make. When you're an expat, um, we have got now like a ton of like what I call really excellent friends and we all have each other's backs. So for example, one of our friends recently said, hey, one of their friends down there, they ran into a really bad housing situation. Can they come and stay at your place for a month? And we were like, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Just pay the cleaning fee. Um, you know, we have cleaners yeah. that come every yeah. once in a while, but, at, you know, make yourself at home. That's just how people are down there. Everyone just helps each other out whenever you have a problem or you need advice. Yeah, it's just one of those That's magical great. things about yeah. living internationally. That is so great. Just because- like Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, also there are Facebook groups. That's something I think this probably is for anyone where mm-hmm. you can go on Facebook and just type in the city and expat mm-hmm. and there'll be a group and it's kind of a more electronic way to do that, to be like, hey, I need something. Or we've seen people who will post things like, I noticed the grocery store has Triscuits this week. And that's like, that's really hard to find Triscuits <laughs> in Mexico. <laughs> so like if someone sees something that's really like yeah, unusual, yeah. They'll, they'll be like, oh, helpful. you can go get this. You can go get cheddar cheese Aww. at uh this place right now. That's so nice. Wow. God, I'm feeling yep. so warm and fuzzy. Talk about cheddar cheese. <laughs> How's the shopping then? It's shopping. fabulous. Yeah, it's fabulous. Huge modern grocery stores. And then, you know, if you, you want to go the, I don't know, more expat oh. way, there's Sam's Club, there's Costco oh. down there. So, you know, the only difference is like if you have a favorite food, you may not be able to find like Triscuits are sometimes, you know, hard to find. I try to be a vegetarian and it's a little mm. more difficult in Mexico to yeah. be a vegetarian just because of the, you know, more limited options. But we just found out that one of the local stores is starting starting to carry Beyond Burgers. And so we would go in and just buy cases of Beyond Burgers <laughs> and bring them home. And yeah, shopping's not a problem. Um, they have local farmers markets. Yeah. We actually have a garden down there. And so we try to grow a lot of our own wow. lettuce and beans and cucumbers just to supplement. And do you do that in Portland as well? You grow your own veggies and all that? Oh yeah, we have a big, big, big garden here. I don't know. I think we have over 200 tomato plants. We get a lot of food away. <laughs> oh, oh, that's so nice, though. Yeah. Oh, wow. So nice. it's not new to you to garden, you know, wherever. Mm. Okay. Okay. Oh, that yeah. was my question. I heard the fish down there in the pause is, is incredible. Mm. Are there fishmongers all over the place? Do they come to your house to sell fish? Like, <laughs> No, we've heard yeah, we've, we've heard that, that. they yeah. come by with their little... I guess not yeah. in the pause. Yeah, maybe not in the pause, definitely not in El Centenario, but like there'll be stands along the side of the road. Yeah. Ceviche on the weekend, down the street. So it's kind of like wow. you get used to it. Because yeah. I eat a lot of fish and I'm trying to cut out everything else. And it's not that easy. You have to... First, you have to find someone you trust. I mean, where mm. we are, we're near an area now been known as Brooklyn Chinatown. I go there because we're in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, and it's like a five-minute drive. And 
there are so many markets. Unfortunately, you just don't know who to trust. Um, yeah. And they may say wild caught. You don't know. So, but we hear from other episodes of Mexico and Portugal as well as Spain that it's right there. They get it out of the sea and, you know, it's yeah. fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like there are like just a lot of people. We don't do this. You can get fresh milk, fresh from the cow. Like I went to a party oh. once and they were like, they had hot chocolate they were serving there. And they're like, yep, we picked up this milk from the, the little farmer that's maybe half a mile from us wow. this morning. And so he's like, yeah, well, you just go there when the farmer is milking the cows, which are these, you know, half hour periods, you buy the milk directly from him. So there's a lot of stuff like that where that's... Yeah, you find the vendor who like, there's the egg person, there's the mm. cheese person. And right. so we've got a list of where we go. Speaking of food and, and fish, you would love this. Another great thing about Mexico is for expats, the eating out is oh, extremely yeah. affordable, right? And and we like to eat out a lot. And so in the United States, you know, it can get spendy. But down there, um, for example, one of my favorite restaurants right on the water looking out, you can get a whole baked snapper uh, with, you know, sides and everything for about eight dollars. Wow. <laughs> snapper. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, that, that's my dream to not have to cook. Oh, actually to not feel guilty of not uh, cooking. Oh, I like that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's the main thing. We, we even started using this service called Too Good To Go. You, I'm sure you guys have it way before New York. That You know, restaurants that have leftover at the end of the night, some of them <clears> donate, some of them have a lot. So they'll sign up with this service and we download an app. There may be several meals left at like three, four dollars or four or five dollars. So yeah, and some are we, good, you know. But some you don't know exactly. It's a surprise. It's a surprise yeah. because they don't know what they'll have at the end of the night. So I said to Gene, this is another way of living here and not have to cook and spend less than 10 a night for the two of us. For the- oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Wait, what is that app? Too, I good, too good to go? You said too good to go. go. I wanted to actually ask about the language. We know Mexico in general with all the expats that English is not an issue. But have you well, it depends, felt... I think. Uh, yeah, it depends. But have you felt the need to learn or is it just because you're kind of remote? (laughs) Okay, so you're going to get two different answers here. Brighton, go first. So La Paz is more local. So, you know, expats are a much smaller minority of people there compared to like Cabo or, you know, some of these more expat destinations. If you go along the waterfront, like that first block or so of restaurants, there's a lot of people who speak English. La Paz is a tourist destination for people from Mexico City and Guadalajara. And there's some international tourists, but it's very much people who from the U.S. or Canada are in the minority, very much the minority. If you go a block back, you have to speak Spanish. And and so I've been learning Spanish. They have, you know, private lessons and I do the podcasts and all that kind of stuff with our, we have a caretaker who speaks English, but he also will speak Spanish with me just to learn and will correct me and like teach me all the, the good stuff. So I'm excited about learning language and being able to communicate with people and, and kind of, I don't know, go a level deeper with sure. people. And now the next answer. So <laughs> let me preface it by saying, I think it's extremely respectful to learn the language wherever you're living, right? Like a hundred percent. My brain is so full of work stuff still that I don't have any extra capacity to um, actually become fluent in Spanish. I know travel Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we traveled before in Central America so I can get by. And so my bridge is for now, I use a lot of um, hand motions and oh, it's amazing hey, it how much you can communicate with just, you know, gesturing. Oh, absolutely. And so I've been able to get by and I'll get by for the next, you know, whatever 
how many years. And then once I retire, I have made a promise to myself that I'll actually become more fluent and be able to have better conversations with yeah. folks who yeah. actually it, are local. It's there. hard. It really is. Even yeah. if you know a little sometimes, but it takes time. You know, at least Spanish, I think, is a little easier mm. than learning, I don't know, German. There's something there that for me, I, I think for a lot of people, yeah. Or yeah. Cantonese. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, Chinese <laughs> with all the, the tonal mm. is really hard. I'm glad I grew up in that. So I know. <laughs> but going back to food a little, can you walk to a coffee shop from where you are? I heard there are great coffee shops down there. Yeah. Actually, a coffee shop just moved in. This was something. So in Portland, we are in like the most walkable. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, you know, God. practically yeah. the Brooklyn of, of Portland yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But here we're in the middle of the city practically. And so Kat wanted the land and she wanted to be on the beach. And I was like, I was like, oh, but I want to be in the middle of La Paz amongst all the like energy and fun and whatnot. And she's like, you have that in Portland. Uh, so I was like, okay, fine. We can do that. But I lucked out because there is now a coffee shop. There's a bar, a restaurant, an OXO. So there's a number of things within walking distance of our place in oh, cool. El Centenario. Where most of the gringos live, that's a little bit more limited because they're up in the hills and there's not as many shops up okay. there. So you'll get to know the owner really well. I oh, yeah. Yeah. And we're, exactly. we're talking walking distance, like right off the beach, right? Or nearby. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, we're. It's, it's two blocks from our house. Oh, the wow. Perfect. Incredible. Right. And your YouTube channel is called Almost Retired in Mexico. Why do you say almost retired? How far <laughs> are you away? Um, so that's actually interesting. When I was naming the YouTube channel, I was like, okay, if I call it almost, it kind of implies two different things. One is that you're almost retired as in you're close in timeline mm-hmm. that you will be retired within a few years, which is probably where Kat is. And then there's almost retired as in like, I'm working less than I would have. So it's kind of like semi-retired and which is more where I am and plan to be for a long time. So the YouTube channel is starting to earn money. So Ooh, I'm hoping that that nice. becomes a an income generator. And I've got my fingers in a lot of different pots. And the YouTube channel really is kind of like what you guys are doing. You're inspiring other people to make it happen. It is exciting for me to kind of provide that. In three weeks, I'm going to Mexico City. City and Querétaro and San Miguel de Allende, just on a, a business trip that I just mm-hmm. used air quotes sure. for that to just kind of explore and meet people. Yeah. And I, I kind of plan on just keeping doing this for a long yeah, time. Forever. Yeah. 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 It's funny, those places that you just mentioned, we had episodes in all of them. I yeah. Think. But let's talk about weather. So you're, you're in La Paz in the winter. What's the weather like in the winter there? In La Paz, it's beautiful. <laughs> We really do have the best of both worlds. In La Paz, when we get there in December, the high is usually between 70 and 80. And then it just, you know, slowly gets warmer by January. Oh, no. It gets a little cooler. A little cooler in, in January. And then by February, it's in the 80s. By the time we leave in April, we leave at the end of April, it's getting close to 90. And I'm like, yep, we're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's time to go back. It rarely rains the whole time we're there. So it's pristine. It's beautiful. Wonderful. Wonderful. But the summers are hot and humid, I assume, right? It does get a little hot in the summers. You have to have air conditioning if you're going to be there in the summer. But I've been there in the summer and I'm like, oh, this really isn't that bad. In in the end, if uh, if I could, I'd probably, if I could convince Kat, I'd probably live there year round. Wow. Interesting. I have a lot more friends in Mexico, I think, than it's just so easy to meet people as an adult in a foreign country. It's just Mm -hmm. like you just get together and uh, yeah, I think it's magical down there. Oh. 
that's wow. so nice. But that's a big move. Yeah. I believe to just say that is big. Well, and I mean, there's so much more oh, to it. Like, you know, we have, uh, <laughs> I mean, we have our house Not here. Happening. We yeah, don't have no. to, we don't have to liquidate. There's so much more when you like really retire and move away and sell all your stuff. Yeah. There, yeah. That's a lot more. This is, we're kind of. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Cass, like, I'll see you soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like what we're doing. It's really the best of both worlds. We have a home base in the U.S. and we get to still stay really close with family and friends and, you know, any of the amenities here. Mm-hmm. You know, Brighton used the word magical and I would agree because it's almost like being on vacation yeah, in yeah. both places. And mm-hmm. I'm super excited to get to each place and yeah. I'm sad to leave, but I'm super excited to go to the other. Yeah, I wish the only thing I would wish, the only regret I have is that we didn't do this sooner. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right, Gene. Yep. Yep, moving. Well, I have a question about that. You say, it's a magical, <laughs> you say it's a magical town, but some of our guests from Mexico have said that La Paz is way too much of a party town for them. Huh. Think, Wait, think that's the case? La Paz? Yeah. It's the opposite oh. of oh, a party town. Oh, really? interesting. Interesting. The opposite. Yeah, maybe they mean Cabo, but oh, yeah. La Paz is a sleepy, family-oriented town. Wow. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of other parts of Baja. Yeah. 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 yeah Cabo. Cabo. Uh, San, Cabo San Lucas is a total party town. Oh, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's where everyone yeah. speaks English. So you just you pay for everything in dollars. It's meant for Americans. <laughs> oh, my goodness. La Paz. Yeah, I mean, like the I just released a video about being on the Malacone, and it's like Sunday night on the Malacone, and packed, packed with cars, packed with people. There's you know Mexican flags and loud music, and people with their kids, and it's you know ten o'clock at night, and you've got all these little kids running around, and very family oriented. Lots of government workers and lots of tourists from other Mexican cities. But there are no big resorts. There's no nightclubs. There's nothing like oh, that. Wow. Uh, there might be nightclubs that we don't go to, but a few of them. But no cruises, <laughs> okay. things like. Like that. So what do you do for fun there? Yeah, what's the entertainment? <laughs> oh, we're getting back to pickleball finally. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tell um, us, where do you, where do you play pickleball down Pickleball is big in Mexico also? Pickleball is big, big. everywhere. But, you know, every every morning we take a walk on the beach with our dog, right? And so we do a lot of that. Every weekend we try to go to a new destination. We find a new beach. Um, there's actually some beaches that we go to a lot with friends and with people who come in where you just, you go there in the morning, you get a table and you sit there all day long and you just drink peanut coladas and and margaritas and you eat the seafood that they bring out to you and yeah you just sit there all day long and then you go you know you go back and then people will have barbecues there's a lot of social activities Mm. and the pickleball We've got, we never played pickleball until we went to La Paz. Um, In fact, I didn't even know what it was, but we got into it and now we play a couple times a week and we have, you know, we all go over to a friend's house who actually built a pickleball in their backyard, a pickleball court. And we all mostly just sit around and socialize and drink while different people play pickleball. It's a, (laughs) it's a ton of fun, but you know, there's movie theaters, there's a ton of restaurants. It's extremely social. And there's a lot of people who are more active. Yeah, in terms yeah. of, you know, going out fishing, going scuba diving. We, we maybe are more on the side of uh, the going out to eat. <laughs> <And> <laughs> yeah, you sound like Club Med people. 
<laughs> it's like you're not yeah. into a bed, which is great. <laughs> exactly. I heard the street art art is wonderful. Yeah, it's. Really, I've actually got a video about that. I'm uh, taking a tour with someone who has kind of researched all the the murals and the street art. The and that's not something I think that's popular in Mexico. It's a very. I mean, Mexico is a very colorful yeah. country yeah. and artists. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's important. I think there's a lot of support for for that. Yeah, and we read about the sculptures and there's a museum mm-hmm. as well. Is that right? You know, we haven't really done. The the museums yet or some of the other things there's definitely cultural things i mean we're there mostly during the pandemic so far yeah, yeah. Yeah. there's definitely the sports are starting to come back there's baseball is a big thing in mexico who knew yeah. um but of course soccer so we haven't been to the games there actually when i'm in mexico city i'm going to go see lucha libre for the first oh time the, the mexican wrestling <laughs> the wrestling. <laughs> Um, I'd love to see that. Oh, that is funny. Yeah. That's so sometimes funny. that does come to La Paz. I've been to the circus in La Paz. Um, I got my VIP tickets for $10 to sit in the front row of the circus. So, yeah. So there are things like that that pop up. Interesting. Yeah. What's Old Town like? Old Town. So I think, I mean, this is like Centro, I guess. Um, and that's, you know, right off the Malacone, kind of the old section where, you know, there's coffee shops and a, a little central park. So Historic buildings. Yeah, it's, some very, histor- it's very quaint. Ecotourism is big. Are they big on ecology there? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I'm an environmental attorney. And so I my heart has both been very happy, but also very wounded by being down there. So at one time, the, the Gulf of California was considered, I mean, I think Jacques Cousteau used to call it the aquarium of the world because there was so much sea life down there and there still is. And so there's a lot of tourism around going to swim with the whale sharks and fishing and swimming with the sea lions. So yeah, there's a lot of activities around that. Unfortunately, the lack of environmental laws down there and wildlife laws has severely impinged the Gulf of California. And so it's a fraction of what it used to be. And there's a lot of pollution. There's overfishing. Um, They've got a huge environmental crisis unfolding down there. And we actually volunteer with an organization that is trying to put natural reserves in place around some of the last critical fisheries down there. But it is, it's a, it's an uphill battle. And while there's still a lot to do and a lot to see, they've got a big problem down there. That's so great that you're doing that. So you had to get involved with the government, right? It's not the government. It's actually a, it's a nonprofit that's down there that's trying to raise awareness. And so, you know, we give them money and we give them advice on how to run campaigns. And not that they need our advice, but we've just run a lot of campaigns in the U.S. And so, you know, we provide consultation on that. Yeah, it's it's, there's just a lack of awareness sometimes around the environment down there. But there's a lot of opportunities to get involved. And there's a lot of nonprofits. Uh, There's a lot of dog rescues. So, yeah, there's a lot of ways to get involved in these Mm -hmm. things. And I Uh, think they appreciate the help. Yeah. And and in Mexico, one of the things that the Constitution says that foreigners cannot get involved in politics. So you Mm -hmm. can't vote. You're not even supposed to be like talking about Mm -hmm. No politicians pro- and cannot, no protests. Yeah, you can't go to protests. Like they, oh, wow. you know, you are a guest in their country, and yeah, they do yeah. not want you meddling in politics, which mm-hmm. is completely understandable. You can actually be deported. However, you can volunteer and you can give money to causes. Oh, yeah, yeah. so it's kind of nice. So you have to stay out of politics. So you don't even have a choice if you wanted <laughs> right. to, That's like, get involved <laughs> in political discussions. Yeah. Like, eh. so are, are people eco-minded? Do you find in La Paz, like, is recycling just day-to-day stuff? Mm. 
Uh, no, right? No. No. no it's um, um, Some of the expats have come together and some of the locals have come together and have kind of like a recycling brigade where they collect everything and take it to this one recycling facility. But there's no pickup of recycling. What I think hurts my heart the worst is the electricity down there is mm. uh, generated by a very, very dirty power plant. And oh. you can see the black smoke on certain days and you know that all of that is being deposited into the ocean you know the whole world has a environmental problem especially with climate change right now but it's very apparent in mexico that's sad that's sad i think uh gene you don't have to go through every i have another question i'm sorry guys (laughs) that's okay this is for cat does the pause remind you at all of the florida keys where you grew up (laughs) i love that question because the answer is yes and i keep saying that over and over that it reminds me so much of how I grew up because I grew up on a small island and everybody knew everyone. It was, you know, wasn't fancy. Everybody kind of helped each other out and made do with whatnot. And so the tropical plants are very, very similar, but the vibe is also similar. It's laid back. You know, you wear your your, your flip-flops and your shorts and it's just a super laid back vibe that feels to me like it harkens back 30 years to when I lived back in Florida when everything was super calm and chill. Gene, that was a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, what did you what did your parents do for a living there? So my dad ran a charter boat oh, wow. and cool. he did big, you know, deep sea fishing for marlin and sailfish. And my mom actually I think had the cooler job. She ran, she owned and ran a glass bottom boat called the oh. Island Queen. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was fabulous. I had the most amazing growing up experience and being in La Paz, oh my gosh, reminds me so much of it. We sit out on our deck in the morning and we watch the pelicans and the herons and it's like a ton of wildlife that we get to see that reminds me of what it used to be like in Florida. Oh, nice. Very nice. I love this. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting credit. Um, (laughs) So I will say, I think we've covered a lot and we've taken up so much of your time. Anything that we've left out? Oh, oh, I do want to say one more thing. We have the same idea of having a home base in the U.S. because I have family here. I'm one of seven and mm-hmm. my parents are gone, but um, and Gene's parents are gone, but his family is smaller. He's one of four and one sibling is out in California. She's been there since college, but the rest are here. I'm the oldest of seven and we're all along the East Coast. So I, I think psychologically, I'm not ready to just kind of leave mm-hmm. the U.S. Being in Mexico full time, do you think that any family members or ties would... Oh, I think we got it. I think we, I, we're, <laughs> we've we're seeing lived it. it. We've lived it. Yeah. Well, first of all, I would, I would encourage you to take the jump, right? Like there's a thing in, in law school, they're like, you know, when you're researching an issue, you will get to the point where you feel like you're, you can never finish, but you just need yeah. to close that book yeah. and you need to be like, I'm done. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I would encourage you to take the leap sooner rather than later, because the worst that's going to happen is you're going to be like, this is not the right place for us. We need to go to a different place. Right. That's the worst that can happen. But back to your question, my sister who lives in Portland is still extremely unhappy that I leave for six months. But because you're close, right? Because we're very close. But, you know, you can adapt. And every weekend we have what we call coffee time and we get on a video. We 
spend an hour talking, usually Saturday and Sunday, and they come down and visit us for 10 days um, at a time twice during <laughs> during that period. Wow, and so, yeah. yeah, so we've adapted. I think, you know, hopefully what we're doing inspires them and inspires others to live your life to the fullest. And yeah. I think that's my parting to you yes. is to Thank just, you, you got to take that leap. I think in the end, you are going to love it. And I, I want to kind of... Uh, to the living overseas and having family back home. A lot of the people who live in, in Baja, California, Baja, California, sir, are from the West Coast of the United States. Right. And I've noticed people on the East Coast, uh, on the Eastern side of Mexico are from the East Coast of the United yeah, States. So yeah. it's just because it is easy to move back and forth. Even people who are full timers, it's so easy to go from Mexico back to the United States and just be able to maintain those connections. We have a friend, Tim, he moved to Thailand. He was like, this is where I'm going to retire. He retired early. And then his daughter started having babies. And he's like, I have a problem. So he (laughs) moved from Thailand to Mexico because Mexico is perfect. It's so easy to get back and forth to the United States and maintain those connections. It's versus other places like Europe. And it just, it becomes the further away you are, it's harder to reconnect and stay, go back and forth easily. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in Mexico do go to the United States when it gets hot. People in Cabo are like, yeah, well, we take the month of whatever, you know, July or August and go back home. Yeah, it's it's still possible. We agree. We have to get started, even if it's for, like you said, like a vacation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Check it out. Yeah. Neither one of us have enough. I think guts to to just buy a home. Okay. So any last uh any last words? Uh, Gene, any last Wait, questions? I, I just have I just want to say Brighton's YouTube channel is really good. You should, you should all check it out. It's called Almost Retired in Mexico. I love the title. Also. Yeah, I got to watch some of the other ones now. The ones you mm-hmm. just mentioned, they're really cool. We are so appreciative yeah, of the time you've given Thank us. Thank you so much. And I'm so Thank glad we guys. crossed paths. Yeah, this is this is great connecting and, and best of luck on your journey. And I'm so <laughs> glad that you're sharing this with the world because times are changing and there's so many more opportunities today, even before retiring. And that's the idea of almost retired. It's like you can you can start these things earlier than you could in the past. Right. Absolutely. He's so good at this. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, listeners, you got to check him out. Okay, good. Hopefully we'll we'll meet you one day in person. Come down and visit us. We've got a casita. Okay, I I like that sound of the casita. And, you know, having our own bathroom, that that helps a lot. I like. And the casita does have a roof. It has a real roof. So, (laughs) okay. What about geckos? uh... There's a few geckos in there, too. Oh, God. All right. All right. No, we would love that. Thank you. Good luck. Thank you. Have a good week. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, Okay, bye-bye. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you know someone who's relocated for retirement and wishes to share their story with us, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is gg at retirethere.com. Our website is retirethere.com. And you may follow us on Twitter at retirethere underscore. Now, if you've liked our show, please subscribe and rate it in Apple Podcasts. In the meantime, be well.